Several states have recently adopted maternal level of care designations to improve care standards. Learn about maternal leveling and how it can have a major impact on the maternal mortality rate in the United States. Let's talk with Dr. Charles Janes, the Senior Director of Medical Operations at OB Hospitalist Group. This is the Obstetrics Podcast from OB Hospitalist Group. I'm Prakash Chandran. So Dr. Janes, can you give us a little background on your role with OB Hospitalist Group and your experiences in OBGYN? Uh, yes, sir. I've been in practice now for 38 years uh, and have been with OB Hospitalist Group since 2011. I spent 34 years in private practice and uh, have been uh, honored to be the Senior Medical Director of Operations for this group uh, since 2015. I'm also a maternal level of care surveyor for the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology for Texas. So before we get into the levels themselves, I'm curious to hear your perspective on the maternal care landscape in the United States today. The United States, unfortunately, has really slipped in the last two decades in terms of its uh, rate of maternal mortality. The maternal mortality has gone up. Uh, The United States uh, last year had a maternal mortality rate in 2018 of about 20.7 per 100,000 live births. So 20.7 deaths of mothers in 100,000 live births. And just as importantly, the near-miss rate in the state of Texas last year was 195 to 100,000, indicating 195 severe events that ended up with ICU uh, admissions and and possibly other long-term morbidity in in mothers. So it's a real problem. Uh, We are ranked number 60th uh, in 2015 in the industrial world in terms of how well we're doing with maternal care in this respect. So a lot to be addressed. It's so strange uh, to hear you say that. You would think that a developed country like the United States wouldn't have this problem. Why do you think that this exists? A lot of thoughts have been given to that, a lot of investigation, and it's multifactorial, of course. Uh, One of the important things is that with the change in our population, particularly regarding obesity and hypertension and diabetes, there's been a real uptick in the incidence of those diseases in pregnant women and that's adding to the morbidity and mortality rate. As well, we're seeing a lot of women having babies at a later age, and so advanced maternal age carries with it specific risk of maternal mortality and morbidity. That's one major issue. The other issue is access to care. The United States does not have a universal perinatal or prenatal care system, and so there are a significant number of women who have adequate care or have any care at all sometimes, and, and that creates a real issue for preventative services. As well, we're seeing a issue with training and the staffs that address these issues in local hospitals. Things like postpartum hemorrhage are relatively a rare event. And uh, if you don't have it top of mind and you're not training periodically to address the issue in an emergent situation, then the skills are not there and the outcomes are not as good. So those are some of the major factors, I think, as as well, what maternal level care does is it addresses scalability of a system so that we're not siloed. We don't have silos of care. We have uh, care across the spectrum, and that spectrum is in a service area like the state of Texas. So, you know, I know that some states are actually working to reduce their maternal mortality rate. What exactly are they doing? Several states right now are, are involved in that process. Arizona is a good example of that. Maryland, Indiana, Georgia, Texas is one of those states. In 2013, the Texas legislature realized that there was a problem and began to address that from a legislative standpoint. And, and now, six years later, 
We have adopted a maternal level of care designation system in the state of Texas that will be fully implemented in September of 2021. It's going to tie maternal level care to Medicaid reimbursement for delivery of obstetrics care. So it has some real financial implications for the system. And I believe that's what will lead to its success. So let's talk specifically about those maternal levels of care. What exactly are the levels and what is the purpose of these requirements in the first place? In 2015, the American Congress of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine introduced a joint statement that defined maternal level of care. Leveling in the neonatal world had begun back in the 70s, and in fact, in Texas, and at the end of 2018, the grand majority, probably 99% of the, the units that deliver neonatal intensive care in the state have entered into a leveling process and are now certified for which process is appropriate to them. This mimics that same process in the obstetrical world. So what the, what the joint statement said was, let's rank a center's ability to provide care based on its ability to deal with complications. At the lowest level, you have a, a regional community hospital, perhaps a birthing center, quite good care, very appropriate to, to the majority of patients, which are low-risk obstetrical patients. At the highest level, you have a medical center type of uh, situation where you have all of the attributes you need to care for the most complex patient. And there's a scalable system in between the two. So you go from the basic level of care to a specialty level of care to a subspecialty level of care to a level four or highest level of care that can take care of basically any obstetrical and postpartum complication. Yeah, that sounds like a really comprehensive framework. You know, I've heard that hospitals in many rural areas are closing their labor and delivery units, I'm assuming because they don't have a framework like this. So maybe talk a little bit about how the maternal level of care standardization that we're talking about can help women in these areas. Yeah, that, that's critically important because the last thing we want to have, especially in a large state with remote areas like Texas, we don't want to close down delivery systems in in the rural areas. And so Right now, in Texas, the vast majority of the hospitals that deliver obstetrical care are being enrolled in and surveyed for maternal level care designation. So the, most of the hospitals in the state of Texas will participate. And what this does is it creates a basic level of care in the rural community. At that unit, they're able to deliver low-risk patients very safely. They're able to identify those patients who fall into high-risk categories and be able to send those patients to a high level of care, either for prenatal care or at the time of delivery. So you have a scalable system that moves the most high-risk patients up to the highest level of care as needed. For example, a rural community hospital, while it may have capability of doing an emergency C-section, someone who has, for example, preterm labor may be transferred up to the next level, especially hospital where you have doctors there that are capable of treating and maintaining a patient with preterm labor, allowing time for the baby to mature a bit more with the benefit of steroids. And then if that patient's baby is, is less than, than 28 weeks, then that hospital may transfer to the next level of care, a level three or subspecialty hospital, 
which has not only the obstetricians and maternal fetal medicine, the anesthesia and the ICU facilities, but it also has the NICU capability to be able to take care of a premature baby at that level. And then you have a baby that, for example, has a cardiac lesion or a gastrointestinal lesion that may require pediatric surgery uh, very quickly after birth, then that, that patient may be transferred to the next and highest level of care where those services can be provided. It's much safer to be able to transport the mother with the baby in utero, and it leads to better outcomes if you can do that and you have a, a scalable transport system to provide that service. Yeah, it really sounds like when there is this framework in place, but also the awareness of what's going on and when to upgrade the different levels of care, it can really make an impact on this national uh, maternal mortality crisis, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And we have a great model for this. So if you go back to California in 2005, they they were in such sort of the same place that Texas is today. They realized they had a real issue with morbidity and mortality in, in their maternal population. And so they introduced a couple of important things. Number one, they developed protocols. California cooperative protocols is what they're called. These are care protocols, for example, to deal with an issue like postpartum hemorrhage in a standard format. There are protocols that can be renewed. There are evidence-based protocols. And they put in protocol care, and they also put in accountability and training at the local level. A lot of these events that we deal with that lead to maternal mortality are things that, as a obstetrician in the community, you see rarely. And so by instituting things like simulation training to bring the entire staff uh, on an OB unit, the, the nurses, the doctors, up to speed of how to deal with these emergent situations and train them, just like in the airline industry with simulation. By doing those things, the maternal mortality rate in the state of California dropped by a factor of fourfold from 2005 until 2018. So last year in California, the across-the-board maternal mortality rate was 4.5 maternal deaths per 100,000 live births. In the state of Texas, it was 30.2 in 2018, 30.2 maternal deaths per 100,000 births. And so I have ever reason to believe that by instituting maternal level care and adding one very important adjunct, which is called the AIM protocol, AIM stands for the Alliance for Innovation and Maternal Health Care. It's a series of protocols that were developed by the uh, nursing leadership, A1, and by the American Congress, ACOG. And these are protocols that address issues like postpartum hemorrhage, maternal hypertensive crisis, shoulder dystocia, opioid uh, addiction, by having those protocols in place in conjunction with maternal level care, it really gives that level of training at all levels that is necessary for safe delivery of maternal care. So in Texas, what's happened is a legislative body came out and said, okay, we're going to have maternal levels of care. And then the State Department of Health has come out and said, okay, we're going to do what's called Texas AIM. And Texas AIM is where medical staffs and nursing staffs across the state are being educated right now in the protocols that AIM has put out. And it gives us a standard protocol approach to these common emergencies at every level of care through those four levels. You put those two things together, and we're talking about AIM 
uh, participation in the state of Texas is 232 out of 237 hospitals that deliver babies. So we have a great penetration in terms of participation. I'm very confident that if you put those two things together and mimic what happened in California, uh, we're going to see that in Texas we can reduce maternal mortality and, very importantly, morbidity very significantly over the next five to ten years. You know, the, the rate of maternal mortality worldwide in industrial countries is 1,200,000. Uh, Texas right now, unfortunately, is two and a half times that. California uh, is 4.5 per 100,000, and I think we can get there. Yeah, it absolutely sounds like it. So thank you so much, Dr. Janes, for your time. Really appreciate your insight today. That's Dr. Charles Janes, Senior Director of Medical Operations at OB Hospitalist Group. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Obstetrics Podcast. To find out more about potential OBHG partnership, visit obhg.com slash hospitals. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thanks, and we'll talk next time.